0: training and nutrition coach and owner of James Robert Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website fitamputee.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And today's guest I've got, Jeremy McCann, is a corrective exercise specialist and he runs Ranger motion fitness so i'll pass you over to jeremy to talk a little bit about himself
1: all right my name is jeremy mccann i just want to thank you guys for listening today i'm a creative exercise specialist from riverside california i own and operate Ranger motion fitness um, which is a worldwide service that i offer to athletes and non-athletes alike to help them alleviate chronic pain and biomechanical errors through fitness. So this means that basically I give you
0: exercise-related techniques and simple solutions to fix those achy backs and creaky knees. And then something we didn't look at that much, um, do you specialize well, in looking at general population or do you have specialized communities that you look at more so? Oh, I mean, I my approach
1: is the same with everybody. I think right now I'm right now currently I'm more in the athletic population, so I'm working with a lot of crossfit athletes and a lot of athletes from a lot of different fields who come to me with a sprained ankle and want to know why their shoulder is hurting and vice versa. Um, but really, I mean, the type of clients that I work with are really across the boards. I mean, it could be you know your grandmother or grandpa who just want to be able to play with their grandkids a little bit more efficiently, uh, without having to think twice about bending over. And it could be that high level athlete who's having a hard time, you know,
0: getting their leg over the hurdle for some reason. And then to move on from that a little bit more, what are the type of, uh, ranges of services that you offer? Um, well, primarily I think the big thing
1: is, is assessing people from head to toe, um, Anybody that I, everybody that I see starts off with a 45- to 90-minute assessment. We attack every single joint for function and dysfunction. Can it bend? Can it twist? Can it turn? Um, and link that back to any kind of pain that they have. So my job is to, number one, give people techniques to alleviate pain that they feel at the joint. But we kind of all have to have the understanding that typically the problem is somewhere else, so to look for that. Um, my service don't necessarily stop there. Uh, as we all know, with exercise, it's all a series of progressions or regressions. So, I give a blanket program to them to help them achieve their goals of relaxing muscles that are working too hard, and then as they go through the system, we increase the strength of muscles, we stretch muscles, so on and so forth. Um, Online, it's, it's done, again, in person via Skype, the assessment, and then I give them
0: videos, I give them pictures as they progress through the program. Okay, that's quite interesting. And then uh, with something we touched upon off the call, uh, how, do you, how do you go about, it's something I was quite interested in about, uh, the assessing the people online.
1: Oh, well, it's, it's very detailed. So when a person commits to to my program online, and, and I know that they're in, you get a ton of homework. So the first place that we have to start is we have to understand that if your body is out of alignment, meaning bones and joints are out of places, then muscles are going to be the wrong length. And it doesn't matter, like um, your muscles are always going to listen to what your bones tell them to do. So you're not going to be able to work the right muscles if your bones are in the wrong position. So we start off by taking a look at your posture and your alignment, and that's big to me. Um, I take a series of detailed photos from you, and I'm going to make some assumptions. Then during that assessment, I'll test those
0: assumptions and see if they're true. And then from there, we, just, we design your program. Okay. And then from your opinion, do people focus more on the exercise in the gym and then kind of negate uh... looking at their posture flexibility and stretching as an element of training
1: Oh, absolutely i mean i think most people they're not even aware you know their posture is even a problem until you know we start to show them some different things about how they move and how they stand and how they feel and once we're able to give them a reference point then their eyes open up like a whole lot and i think you know, if you go into it and you just go to the gym and you just exercise and you don't put any kind of emphasis on it at all, you're never really aware. Once we open your eyes to it, it becomes important, you know, and and, and as soon as we're able to make that link, then we're able to design programs. And I tell people all the time that, that we treat it almost like, like brushing your teeth. I give you exercises that you're to do every single day that are just essentially to maintain all the bones, the muscles, and the nerves of your body
0: so that they are back to being normal. Okay. And then from your opinion, obviously, from my background in elite sport, it's one of those one percenters. For the general population, how much would that improve their general sense of well-being? And then say, for example, if the person is has a performance goal in mind, how much would that improve their strength in the gym oh
1: well uh, immensely i mean the thing is is your brain is ridiculously powerful like it it honestly doesn't care that that muscles are in balance if you want to get from a to b um your brain's going to figure out a way to do it in 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 corrective exercise we call this compensation when muscles don't work the right way your brain figures out another way to do it But once we're able to get everything in alignment and muscles in balance and symmetrical with each other and you learn how to move effectively, well, now you can get stronger. Now you can get more powerful. Now you can get quicker. Now your reactions can be better. And now, most importantly, if we can get your alignment the right way, um, you're going to be dealing
0: with gravity more effectively. Okay. And then from that, would you you roughly be able to see in a, well, give a percentage in improvement, or would that depend from person to person?
1: I don't think there's a percentage that you could put on it, like, at all. I I really don't. I don't know that you could put a cap on it. I think there's a genetic Potential that people can get in terms of strength, but I don't know that anybody ever Effectively gets there. I mean the thing is is you know We're talking about muscle imbalances and we're talking about compensations like they're a really unique thing They're not like everybody has asymmetries everybody has muscle imbalances It's just the great athletes know how to use them better than others, but I think once you're effective at repositioning the bones in your body and getting muscles to do what they're supposed to do and getting your brain to run your body efficiently, who knows? Who has any idea of how big, how fast, how strong you could be? I mean, could this be the reason why, you know, we're living in a time of the fittest people on the planet? It, It could very well be. You know, you think about the access that professional athletes have to the services of chiropractors, of physical therapists, of massage therapists, all the jobs that I'm going to try to give you to be able to perform on yourself. And you think about this, the times that they're running and the weight that they're lifting, there has to be a correlation between the two things. And I'm going to say that you know your biomechanics really govern your abilities. I mean, we can make, you know, we call the engines of your body your heart function, we call that the, the muscle that you could build. Well, we, if we could get your joints lined up in the right places for what you want to do, we could create bigger engines. But it all has to go back to are your parts in the right places. It's, it's like trying to put like a, I'm not a real car guy, but trying to put like a rocket engine in, in a VW buck. How well is that going to work? You've got this big muscular engine, but on a structure that can't handle it you're gonna break down eventually you're gonna break down what we want to do is maybe turn down the engine a little bit but give you bigger wheels give you a little bigger axle to ride by and, and put a new, new
0: gas pedal and steering wheel in there does that make sense yeah that makes perfect sense and then obviously we look at you're looking at the elite side of sport do you believe obviously being somebody that uses biomechanics on a day-to-day basis for your job do you think by the advancement in that field that it is kind of propelled sport in probably unimaginable ways obviously sp- sport is, obviously training has improved but the understanding of biomechanics do you believe that is also contributed to say the more physiological senses of training yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, again, like, if you have muscles the
1: right length, then you're, you are performing smoother, you're performing in more alignment, then you could work out, you can exercise at a much higher level, which is really what training is all about. Trying to, you know, program your workouts to get the most out of your body, but let's just say again, your alignment is off, and you're constantly fighting this feeling of falling forwards to your calves are, are lit up because your feet are gripping the ground to prevent you from falling forward. Your, the muscles that make up your lower back are trying to protect your spine from this huge arch on there, and they're working overtime Um, and you're a runner, right? And you're constantly falling forward when you run. Well, if we can kind of ease the tension in those areas and give you full length capacity to stretch out your leg, to keep your torso upright, you're going to be able to move faster. You're going to be able to move under more control. So I think without a doubt, the more that we're keen on somebody's form, it's going to improve
0: their function. I agree with that sense exactly. And then... Obviously, it's probably maybe something we alluded to a little bit. Would you agree that posture is probably to a certain degree with populations become more and more sedentary? obviously they're putting their postures more at risk, so obviously they would be would be sitting at desks for example, for a long periods of time. obviously they're going to have tighter muscles in certain places, so obviously they're kinda of, um, like we said, uh, kind of doing the reverse of corrective therapy by just the nature of what we were we are becoming by becoming more sedentary. Would that? Would you kind of take that same ethos?
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean that that again. That's the beauty of our body. Like we we adapt to what we do the most. I mean, we know this is true because this this really is what training is all about. You know you, you, you know, you want a big bench press? Well, you got to train your chest. Your chest muscles grow, the position of your arms change. It's the same for, you know, sitting behind a desk. The more you're in that position, the more your brain wants to make things easy on your body and maintain that, that homeostasis. So it makes you better. At becoming a sitting person you know here in the United States um, you know we like to say that that we want to get our squats deeper and that's kind of like the big thing in most CrossFit gyms is getting a deeper squat and and when we go to test people it's it's not coincidental that people have really good squat form to about the height of a chair and then after that it, it just goes nuts on them you know it's because we don't do it enough we get to that height of that chair. We're really good at sitting at the toilet. We're really good at sitting on on in our cars. We're really good at sitting at a dinner table. But outside of that, when we test new ranges of motion that we should be able to do, it becomes foreign to us because what happens? You know, our our muscles tighten up. Um, other muscles get weak and prevent this. I mean, it, when you you ask that question, and we kind of all know that this is true. I mean, think about what you feel like when you wake up in the morning after eight to ten hours of sleep. You're just bursting out of a cocoon because so many things are different, tight in different places. That's what happens. You know, We sit in a chair long enough, our body just kind of molds us into these shapes that, that we have to work to get out of. And when you think about traditional like exercise practices with regards to sitting, we're just reinforcing a lot of those same tight patterns with the types of exercises we do. So starting off at the top, you know, when people sit behind a computer desk, what do they do? They push their head forward, they roll their shoulders in. Well again, that's a lot of what we do when we when we bench press, when we chest press, when we go overhead, you know, we take a look at that squatting pattern. Well it's the same thing as sitting in a chair. So it requires the same sort of musculature. We're not doing anything to quote unquote reverse the posture. And I think that there's a big reason why that is. I mean When we look at the exercises that we would coin sexy, they mimic bad positions that we're in often. And when we look at the exercises that are meant to reverse the effects of something like sitting, nobody does them because they're not fun to do. They work muscles
0: generally that you don't see in the mirror. Okay, that's definitely a good point. And then obviously some people might not know and then some might. Uh, That's obviously your, your sleeping pattern, the way you sleep have kind of a a fact factor on your posture is that something you you see a lot with your clients oh absolutely i mean th- there's no program that that
1: comes my way that doesn't talk about lifestyle habits and lifestyle positions and um, sleeping for sure is a big one because you know we're all supposed to sleep 8 hours a day and not many of us do but we should be able to, to be able to sleep for an extended period of time And we should be able to find a position that's comfortable. And unfortunately, most people don't sleep in the right position. Um, Preferably, we'd like to have people on their back because you deal with gravity uh, more effectively. But oftentimes, we'll find people that that like to sleep on their stomach and and arch their lower back all night and put themselves in in unhealthy positions and sleep on one side and have all the weight from the other side come down on that body part. And... And again, it is something that we do have to address, and we take that into account when we design corrective exercise programs, and we take a look at their posture to kind of go back to well, why is this sore? Is maybe your neck sore because um, you know you're sleeping on four or five pillows? Uh, maybe is your back sore because you know you're sleeping on your stomach? Those sorts of things always come into play when we're trying to minimize the amount of extra work that people have to do so they can make their life a little bit easier
0: when it comes to, to moving around every day. And you say ideally you'd like people to sleep on their back. How do you go about changing what has become a habit from sleeping on your side, for example, or on your stomach, to being able to sleep on your back and you're getting actually getting a good night's sleep? Yeah, I mean I mean that's that's a good question. You always have to kind of prioritize
1: I think the, the most important thing with with my clients is is making them understand like how important things really are and giving them some strategies to to kind of to, to go through. You know, we can't just go from, you know, wearing ten inch heels every day to walking barefoot. Your calves are gonna to be too tight for that. We have to lower the heel down first. And I think the same kind of approach comes to sleeping in the bed and making the recommendation that's going to your back when you've been a side sleeper say maybe you can't lie flat on your back yet maybe what we need to do because you have a really big arch in your back is we need to prop your legs up on a pillow and kind of minimize that arch kind of cut down on how much your lower back is having to work when you're sleeping at night maybe because your your lower back is arched and your your spine uh, has rounded up at the top. We need to put some some pillows underneath your elbow. Maybe we need to, you know, cut down the number of pillows behind your head. Take each person into account and, based on their own individuality, give them some simple strategies. We can't just go from being the the weakest person in the gym who's dumbbell curling, you know, five pounds to picking up the hundred pounds. It's the same idea. It's small steps. And I think, you know, when we can make the link between that being your biggest problem and giving you exercise to reduce the stresses in those joints, it just naturally
0: becomes easier for people to do. Okay. And then following on from that point, are you a person that would agree with uh, using, for example, uh, foam mattresses uh, and and orthopedic-type mattresses to help with that, or would you just say use a standard mattress? I mean, again, again, I think like you want
1: to be as least invasive as possible, and you want to have people make as little change as they possibly can. So I, I can't like have someone sign up for my services and and you know perform all these exercise techniques, and then have them buy a bazillion different things. If you if it's in your wheelhouse and it's in your means, yes. And if not, then it's my job to kind of help them develop strategies to make what they have. Like something that they could use as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with those devices at all. I think that they're
0: certainly a luxury for people. That's for sure. Okay, so you you definitely say if you can afford it, by by no means by no means go out and get it. Absolutely, I have the the kind of the same you know mentality
1: with with orthotics and shoes as well. You know, I think that. When we take a look at function versus dysfunction, we take a look at postural deviations, um, there are a few things that are true. And I think pretty much every every postural deviation that we can find, there's always a link that happens at the feet. And I think that one of the general recommendations that I give, probably more often than not, hey, let's get some inserts, let's get some insoles, let's get some orthotics made. Because the corrective exercise techniques that that we're going to spend the time on with your feet are going to take a very, very long time. Let's give you that as kind of a means to kind of help us prevent future problems from occurring while we work on bigger areas. And I would say that I would kind of give the same advice with beds and mattresses as well. Like, if, if we, if you could get a better mattress that's more orthopedically designed, that that's, that's more biomechanically designed, that fits your alignment a little bit better, go for it. But if not, you know,
0: we're going to have to work around it somewhere. Okay, so it's more, you would say, especially with the orthotics and the footwear, it's kind of a, to a certain extent, it's a quick fix, would you agree? Yeah, I mean,
1: again, with regards to the orthotics and footwear, I think of it as a way of buying time for us. Um, Again... Typically, you know, if we talk about the most common postural deviation in a roundabout way, we're kind of saying this: we're talking about a, a pelvis that tilts too far forward, an anterior pelvic tilt. So when that happens, we create this big arch in our lower back. Our upper back has to round. Our head has to come forward. From the lower half, we see your legs twist, in, we see your feet and arches collapse. Um, so we can see there's a big link there that happens. One piece leads to the next, so on and so forth. Well. You know unless a person is seriously complaining about feet problem we know that the feet have to be addressed because you're standing on them all day you're putting all the stress of your body weight from above down on them but then you're also absorbing impact so there's a lot of dysfunction that could occur at that feet that could send messages up your body i would say though if you're complaining of a pain other than your feet let's get the orthotics on there because i don't want you doing like eight hours of corrective exercise techniques all day i would say that we could. Put those orthotics in there, the insoles in there. We could buy you some time while we try to address the areas that probably have a bigger imprint on how you feel and how you function. And, and again, just using that anterior pelvic tilt and a back pain as an example, that would be a great place to start. You know, again, identifying the dysfunction, identifying the postural deviation, and then just assigning the right corrective exercises. And you can kind of probably in your head see how if we could fix the shape of your pelvis, it's, it's automatically going to take the stress off your feet. And maybe we don't
0: even have to do that much work. Does that kind of make sense to you? Yeah, perfect sense. And then probably to explain to people, probably in layman's terms, it's kind of a kinetic chain, isn't it? If you've got s- some underlying issue, it's probably resulting and starting somewhere else. And it's obviously everything in the body is linked together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like that old grade school song. your
1: foot bones connected to your knee bone so on and so forth you know if one piece is out of place the rest of your body has to make up the difference for it and that's that's actually a really good question and point to and point to make because a lot of times like people will come to me and they'll say that my right shoulder hurts and that's ultimately the last place that i look um because i know that what you feel is just a symptom of something else going wrong and a pain somewhere else and oftentimes what we'll find out is that that old sprained ankle that you had like when you were seven years old and you were playing soccer and you rolled your left ankle and your dad just told you hey you got another foot go run on the right one we often find that that is the source of a lot of your problems you never fully recovered from that you never lengthened those muscles out you had to compensate throughout your entire body and guess what now your shoulder hurts so what do we have to do we have to go back to the root and until we could uh, improve every step that you take on the planet because that bone is in the right position, those
0: muscles are the right length, your shoulder's never going to fully recover. Mm, that's that's exactly a good point. It's probably a lot of people forget it's probably an underlying issue which causes that pain. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean,
1: like I would say that just about every conversation when I have with people during the assessment process, you know, I'll have them fill out an intake form and that intake form will always start off with what hurts, and then I'll have them list their injuries. and it, It's not uncommon for a person to list either no injuries or just one or two. And then during the course of the assessment, when we kind of dig deeper into history and sports they've played, that oh yeah, well then you know I had a you know I had ACL recovered, and I had you know Achilles tendonitis and plantar fasciitis and. and everything starts to make sense and then we go and test the calf and the ankle and we find that your right one can bend real well but your left one is not and then again it just it just makes sense it's important to people and we make changes and everyone improves
0: okay so I can't think of any more questions for you Jeremy so I think we'll call it time on the podcast thank you very much for your time and coming coming on alright it, it was a pleasure being here Talking shop with and for anybody that's interested in Jeremy's work, I will link a description in the description below with his Facebook, and you can all have a look and see what you think. But it's for for my own opinion, it's he's doing some great work. All right, thank you. Have a great day. You too. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short re- review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in the future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.